0: let's go to Hebrews chapter 10. I want to continue with this that we have been on entitled let us draw near and uh, if you were with us Wednesday night we spoke a lot about growing spiritually and maturing the the purpose the goal of the Christian life is to grow up is to mature is to make progress I ministered a series some years ago entitled "Christian Progression," and uh, all about the progression in the Christian life. And uh, there's a statement that we'll make throughout this message, and, and probably throughout the rest of this series, is uh, there are people we're going to deal a lot with the soulless realm, and we've been dealing with that. Uh, but there there are believers that you know and that I know. Notice I said they're believers that you know and I know, that the only thing salvation has affected is their spirit. It's never affected their soul. And the issue is, is there's nothing more miserable than a carnal Christian. Because I know too much about God to just go sin, and I can't be happy sinning, can't be happy serving God, because I want to go sin or I'm having a struggle, right? That's what Paul said, basically, in Romans chapter 7. He was saying, look, I'm in this this place where I want to do right, but I can't find how to do it. And he said, how do I do this? I thank God through Jesus Christ, my Lord, right? And notice what he said. He said that, that, that he served God with his inner man. But the soul was a problem. Hebrews 10 and 22. He says, let us draw near in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience. And you'll remember that an evil conscience is a conscience that is concerned that some past failure, past grievance, past sin has been not forgiven. I mean, our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. So, that that phrase draw near means to come near, to draw near, or to worship. Everybody say, come near, near. draw near, near. or or worship. What God wants to do in the church at this time will require a drawing near. And it will require a putting away of certain things. When God begins to move people to another level of spiritual activity, what is required is that the people come to another level of spiritual maturity. Amen. Amen. 1 Thessalonians 5. This is where we'll kick into this in earnest. Drawing near. 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 23. I'm going to do my best to get past this verse. Paul writes to the church. Everybody say the church. Church. At Thessalonica. Say the church. Church. At Thessalonica. Thessalonica. Now why am I emphasizing that? He's talking to Christians. He says brethren. Brethren. Verse 25, brethren, pray for us, right? There is no scripture, no book in the New Testament written to sinners. The only thing written to a sinner in the entire New Testament in the Pauline epistles is repent and be baptized. That's it. Confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. That's what you everything else is written to the church. And the reason why you have carnal Christians is because over the last quarter of a century or more, the church has done everything they can do to make people comfortable in their carnality. They have dumbed down the preaching. They have dumbed down the worship. They've made it easy for people to be carnal. There's no pressure on people to come to another level. Instead of dealing with sin as sin. We call it a mistake, a failure, a problem, an issue. You know what I've come to understand about people? Is they don't hate failures, problems, issues. They don't hate that. Because it's not what it is. You hate sin. You hate things that come in between you and God. Why? Because it comes in between you and God. One man said this. You never see sin aright until you see it as against God. I'm not preaching on sin. I'm talking about carnality. The the reason why you've seen some of the things you've seen... Over the last few years, people say, I couldn't believe that minister failed. Oh, he pastored this really with it church. And he was such a cool pastor. And he pastored all these superstars. And he had tattoos. And, you know, they took pictures of him uh, uh, taking shots in the bar with this superstar. Hmm. So was it a very far stretch from taking shots with a superstar to committing adultery on your wife? Not a very far stretch. Why? Because was he born again? Yeah, I, I believe he was saved. Was he carnal? Very. You cannot cater to carnality and live holy. You just can't. You can't consistently cater to the flesh... And live holy. We have been given the victory. the grace of God has been administered to our life. the work is done. That's, that's what makes it even far more implausible that we shouldn't grow and mature is the hard part has been done. The war has been fought. The battle has been won. Jesus won the victory. And gave us the authority. That's why Romans can say sin shall not have dominion over you. Because you're not under law. You're not under what you're trying to do in yourself. You are under grace. Which is God's power and God's ability that you can use on your behalf. Amen. Hallelujah. So you see 1 Thessalonians 5? I wanted to preach a minute and give you a moment to get there. <laughs> And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. Now, the key to this verse is found in the word holy. Sanctify you wholly. Can you show me that in the Amplified Bible? Uh, and then we'll, we'll look at it in the, in the Woos Bible as well. The Amplified says, May the God of peace himself sanctify you through and through separate you from profane things, make you pure and holy, consecrated to God, and may your spirit, soul, and body be preserved sound and complete. Now notice that uh, 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 through and through, through and through, every part of you. The Woos Bible says, uh, now may the God of peace himself consecrate you, every part of each one of you. So there's more than one part of me that has to be sanctified, that has to be set apart, that has to be consecrated. So it all didn't happen as salvation. Don't miss what I said. You were completely saved when you got saved. Your spirit was completely born again. Your body wasn't. Your mind wasn't. Your thoughts weren't. Your emotions weren't. Your will wasn't. Your spirit was. Completely. It's a sealed system. If if you were with us Wednesday night, I taught on the three tenses of salvation. The Bible says you were dead in trespasses and sin, but God has saved you. So your spirit is eternally saved. All right, then the Bible says that there is a salvation that's in the process, which is what? The saving of your soul. Well, I just believe you got it all at salvation. That's why you're carnal. Brother Hagan said this. He said, your mind doesn't stay renewed anymore and your hair stays combed. You got to get up every day and comb it. Amen. If you look around, we have some brothers with facial hair. You want to know why they have that? They don't shave. They're not consecrated. Hallelujah. Some of us are holier than others. But, but, but here's, the, here's the thing. If you see a guy with facial hair, he didn't shave. Right? Right? He didn't shave. If you see somebody coming to hair in the church, and as my grandmother would say, their hair is all must. They didn't fix it. You ever see somebody walk in and their clothes are all wrinkled? I mean, they look decent, but their clothes are all wrinkled. They didn't use their iron. How many, how many know that, now I'm using that as an example. If you're going to be clean shaven, guys, how often do you have to shave? Every day. Because what does it do in that 8, 9, 10 hours you sleep? What happens on your face? It grows. Right? And if you want it to grow, leave it grow. Glory to God. Amen. If you want your hair combed, how often do you have to comb it? How often? So is it ongoing? I say, is it ongoing? Every of every, well, every however long. I'm not going to say how long. It will pop up on my calendar. I'll get a calendar notification. Haircut and color. It's not me. Right? Right? So, so you look around at certain of the ladies in here, and uh, 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 they are uh, uh, very dark-headed. They have an appointment every now and again. But ladies, I'm not picking on you. I know this sounds simple. What, what happens if you don't go get colored? The what? The, the Kathleen's like, the gray shows up. Everybody knows that. So why do do you go get colored? You don't want gray. Now, if you want gray, what do you do? Just leave it go. And there's nothing wrong with gray. Right? But here's my point. How often do you have to do it? Regularly regularly how often do you got to deal with your soul regularly how long will you be dealing with your soul till you die or till Jesus returns why that is the part of you that is in direct contact with this earth that's where you make every decision that you make that's where you come to every conclusion that you come to is in your soulish realm And you can make those decisions out of your spirit, but they have to come through your soul. You can't avoid that. And Paul says, I want your whole self, every part of each one of you. Amplified Bible, through and through. And King James says, your whole spirit. And we could say without hurting that, and your whole soul and your whole body. Is that right? Everybody say spirit, Spirit, soul, soul, and body. body. So the key there is that word holy. Every part of each one of you. So my spirit was completely born again at salvation. 1 Corinthians 15 says my body will be redeemed at a later date. Amen. So I am saved in my spirit. My soul is being saved, and my body will be redeemed. Three tenses of salvation. All right? So the, 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 the day will come when you will see yourself as you really are. We'll know Him because we will be like Him. What does that mean? Perfect. Amen. I'm telling you what, you look good perfect. You really do. You look good right now, but you really look good perfect. Amen. Just think about that. What is that? That is the redemption of the body. God, every part of you belongs to God. He said, glorify God in your spirit and in your body, which are God's. Every part of you belongs to God. And so he completely saved your spirit. Your body will be redeemed. And here is... The catch. I got to consistently renew my mind. Amen. Consistently. Have, have you when I, when I was growing up, the old timers would say this. Now, not all of them, but, but some. You know, we had some religious people. They say, yeah, that person's on fire for God, but, you know, give them six months. And they'll kind of cool off. Well, you know what I've, I've learned over the years? Because it was about that time they had to start renewing their mind. You know, I'm told, and, and I don't know the exact number, uh, uh, the exact age, but there's an age, a period of, of, of age in a child that they learn the largest percentage of the skills that they're going to need for the rest of their life. And you know it's not when they get up to be teenagers. If you haven't got it in them by the time they're teenagers, you're behind. Right? If, if you don't teach them to clean their room when they're four, you're going to have a hard time when they're 14. What, what is happening? You're renewing their mind. Because for the first ever how long of their life? One year old, two years old, even up to three. Everything was done for them. You, you don't tell a two-year-old to go clean their room. Right? I mean, they'll go in there and make a bigger mess than already was there. So what do you do? You take the two-year-old in the room and you sing the clean-up song. Clean-up, clean-up, everybody everywhere. Your mom still does that with you, doesn't she? Clean-up, clean-up. Everybody do your share. What are you doing? You're, you're renewing the mind that when you pull something out, it's got to be put back up. We, we have to eventually clean up. And by four, it's easier to say, now I need you to go in, in your room and clean your room. Now, you might have to go in and do the particulars, but they know the baby dolls go over here. They know the Barbie dream house is over here, and, right? They know where things go. And it's not going to be perfect because they're four. God is not expecting perfection out of any of us. But God is expecting effort out of every one of us. Not looking for perfection. He's looking for effort. Amen. Hallelujah. Lily just started homework. Homework. And uh, one page... Three days a week. Working on their name. And it looks weird because the preparatory school she goes to practices precursive writing. So it looks different. But she'll sit down. You know they got the line at the top that has her name, Liliana, printed out. Well, then she traces that. But then two lines down, there's no words. She's got to do it. Well, when she first started, it was kind of a scribble. And it kind of went... That was okay. But we started watching it straighten out. Till now it's not perfect, but it's on the line. What's happening? Her mind is being renewed. How to hold the how many know if you don't know how to hold a pencil, you can't write your name? Is that right? So what's step one in learning how to write? How do you hold a pencil? Was anybody in here born holding a pencil? Nobody. And so when you went to school, there had to be a teacher that said, here's how you hold a pencil. And when you were little, did you use those real little skinny pencils or did you use those big, fat blue pencils? Big, fat ones. Why? Little hands could hold on to it. Now, we will think you're weird if you're 40 using a big, fat pencil, but you, you understand. You you you. Uh, you You understand the process. Amen. The mind is being renewed. And if I get that in them, at a certain age, it becomes part of them. Everybody in here was born spiritually dead. You were born separated from God. God got the gospel to you at the earliest possible moment. The quicker you got the gospel, the more advantage you had moving forward. But ever when you got the gospel, instantly your spirit was born again and instantly your mind renewal started. Here's the thing. I'm in charge of the speed of that. Amen. Look at your neighbor and say, my soul is my responsibility. Now, God's given you the tools to deal with it. Are you following me? I told you, I don't want to get stuck on this verse, but I could preach here for another hour. this so important. Because you've been given the tools. You know, a large part of a teacher's job is giving that child the tools to do what they need. I cannot make a child learn. I can give them the opportunity. That's why we, even in the natural, we produce carnal people because we think that by uh, entitlement mindsets and making it easy on them, That somehow they will become something they're not. When it's up to that person how fast they grow. Or if they grow. Black, white, red, yellow, male, female, poor, rich. Whatever it is. It's up to you. If you have the tools. And you've been given what you need then the rest is up to you. Can you say amen? Amen. The soul is the seat of the emotions. That's where my decisions are made. If my soul is under the control of my spirit, I'll make spiritual decisions. If my salvation has not affected my soul, I'll make carnal decisions. Many... And and I'll say this, many view their body as the flesh. Well, your body is part of the flesh, but I I, I want you to, to see something. But the spirit of man, dead or alive, is what animates my body. Your arm has never sinned. It has been involved in sin because you chose to sin. What got your arm involved in sin? Your soul. Your soul used your body to sin. Yeah, but it, it feels good to do that in the flesh. It feels good where? To your shoulder? Or your soul? Your soul. So the body is just an instrument. Here's, here's how I know this. When, when I'm under the anointing, I wouldn't give you a million dollars for it. Or I wouldn't take a million dollars for that sensation. It's wonderful. But but what's sensing that? My body? My soul. My soul. Your body has never just got up out of a chair and said, I'm going to go sin. If it did, you were a zombie. No, you made a decision in your decision maker. And then you went and did it. Because if your body could just react on its own, you would have an excuse. But you have a mechanism called your soul. That has to think first. You have never acted without thinking. There are people who say, well, I just said that without thinking. No, you didn't. You might have said it too fast. No, you cannot do anything without giving it at least a moment of thought. At the end of the service today, I'll probably say, all right, let's, let's everybody stand up. Well, you responded to what I said, but you still had to think about it. Oh, we're done. Or whatever, right? Your mind, your soul is what many refer to as the flesh. Paul refers to over and over in his epistles to being in the body. In the body. In the body of this flesh. Why? He recognized the tripartiteness of man. He knew he was was in the body. Right? The body does what the soul chooses to do, good or bad. And whoever is over the control of the soul, that's going to be what the body acts out. James 2 and 26. Notice what it says. This is important for you to understand this. As the body without the spirit is dead, faith without works is dead also. So, what is the body without the spirit? Now obviously he's writing to believers and they understand it's a quickening spirit but every sinner is alive today and they're they're alive because they are spirit beings. Their spirit is dead. They're the walking dead. But when a sinner dies, what happens? Their spirit departs and goes where? Hell. Why? Why? They're unregenerate. They go to the place of the dead. When we die, our spirit leaves too, but we go to the land of the living. Why? Because dead people go where dead people are and living people go where living people are. You and I, the Bible says, are alive unto God. The reason this is important is to understand that a spiritually dead person will have a soul that is receiving its information from a spiritually dead source and acting accordingly. For the believer, there's no excuse to do that. Because our spirits are alive unto God. I can receive that information from my spirit and act accordingly. When you got born again, there are certain things you didn't just decide to quit doing. You knew you needed to not do that anymore in your spirit. And you made a decision. And what happened? The spirit empowered your decision. Am I helping you? If you don't renew your mind... Sanctify your soul. You'll make carnal decisions. Say it out loud. Say if I renew my mind. I won't make. Carnal decisions. Notice Romans 8. Romans 8. Oh thank you. Hallelujah. Romans 8, verse 6. To be carnally minded is death. To be spiritually minded is life and peace. Well, he continues and he tells you why it's death. The carnal mind is enmity against God. Not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. Hmm. Notice this, the carnal mind is enmity. The word means hostile towards or opposed to the law of God. The carnal mind. Now, but if you look here, uh, throughout the book of Romans, He's writing to believers. Verse 8, I think of chapter 1, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. Would you have to tell believers that if you're carnally minded, it's not going to be good? Well, he did. Hallelujah. Are you following me? So it's not just carnal Christian, it's just carnal. Well, pastor, that's challenging. I know that's how we grow. Amen. He said the carnal mind was hostile or opposed to the law of God and he said the carnal mind now, now listen to this is not subject to the law of God where did Paul say in Romans chapter 2 he said the law of God was written on our hearts the heart throughout Scripture is indicative of or interchangeable with the spirit of man So when you got born again, the law of God, what was right, what was wrong, what God wants you to do and doesn't want you to do was written on your heart. And that's why the Bible says you are inexcusable. Because he said there are Gentiles that do by nature the things that are written in the law. Do you see what I'm saying? There are moral Unbelievers. They wouldn't cuss, drink, chew, run with them that do. They love their family. Amen. They they even pray over their dinner. And they're slap unborn again. Why? Because there's something in every person born into this people planet that knows there's a right way to do things and a wrong way to do things. But if I don't eventually give my spirit over to the one that put that law on my heart, I will never find the power to ultimately overcome my soulish realm and live in victory. Hallelujah. The only way for a carnal mind to be subject to the law of God is for it to be renewed. Notice Romans chapter 12. Am I helping anyone? Romans chapter 12. I did forget my watch, but never fear, I have a clock on the back wall. <laughs> tell I tell him to take it down, amen. <laughs> Hallelujah, we won't do that. Romans 12, 1, I beseech you, therefore, brethren. Now, he's about to talk about renewing the mind and presenting your body. Now, we've talked about how the body is not just your body, it's your soul. He says, I beseech you, I beg you, in earnest, I'm on my knees begging you to do this. By the mercies of God, it is God's mercy that you have this opportunity. That you present, you present, you present. You present your bodies, is that what it says? A living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which this, giving this presenting of your soul, of your body to God, is your reasonable, rational service. Show me that in the Amplified Bible, please, sir. I want you to see this because here's here's the thing. Notice, uh, I appeal to you, brethren, and beg of you in view of all the mercies of God. Now, stop right there for a moment. Has God been good to anybody? Has he shown you his mercy? Then I beg you, he says, in view of all of God's mercy. To make a decisive, there's a decision involved here. Dedication of your bodies, presenting all your members and faculties as a living sacrifice, holy, devoted, consecrated. Wait, stop right there. Hold it right there. Uh, 1 Thessalonians 5, 23. That every part of you would be presented holy, consecrated, and well-pleasing to God, which is your reasonable, rational, intelligent service And spiritual worship. So notice, Paul says, it's the least you can do, and it's the most intelligent thing you can do. But who does it? Oh, I know, an angel's gonna come down from heaven and pull you up every day and present your body. Is there anything in the scripture that's written that you cannot do? Who does this? What happens when you do this? You grow. You mature. Right? What, what, remember what uh, 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 the apostle wrote? He said, uh, Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians. He said, uh, uh, I die daily. Is that what he said? He said, I keep under my body. And I bring it into subjection, lest after I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. Is that what he said? That word castaway means disqualified. Disqualified for what? Disqualified for service. Disqualified for what God's asked me to do. Disqualified to receive what God wants me to receive. And and what did he say the issue was? An unrenewed mind And not keeping those faculties under. Under what? Your spirit. Is it possible? What did he call that? Spiritual worship. Service and spiritual worship. So bringing your soul under the control of your spirit every day is worship. Father, I worship you with my life today. I'm going to bring my soul and my body under the control of my spirit today. And I lay it on the altar and I worship you. It's it's not this religious thing that people have talked about. It's this act of worship. Amen. Am I helping you? The Woos Bible says, Stop assuming an outward expression that does not come from within you. Now this is important, because he's saying you're doing something that's not coming from within you, and is not representative of what you are in your inner being, but is patterned after this age. But change your outward expression to one that comes from within, and is representative of your inner being. How, Paul? By renewing your mind. Renewing your mind. Oh, all the situations that you've been dealing with, leaving. No. No, renewing your mind. I've I've dealt for years in addiction recovery. And uh, had a program for years. Road to Recovery, Recovery Room. Debbie used to come to the Recovery Room way back in the day when we had it here, remember? Amen. And, uh, but in any event, here's, here's what I've learned. You can take a person that knows every one of the 12 steps, all the way from you have to admit that your life's out of control, all the way to, you know, the 12th step, which is evangelizing the 12 steps. Make it our life goal to share this message. You can know all those steps. But if you don't do it. Those steps. All they are. They're spiritual. All they are is renewing the mind. That's all they are. Amen. The very first step. The very first step. I have come to realize That I am an alcoholic, I am an addict, I am whatever, and I can't change myself. Right? Second step, I made a decision to turn my life and my will over to the care of God as I understand Him. Third step, I have made a fearless and searching moral inventory. Uh Uh-oh. What happens from step one to step three? Your mind's getting renewed. I can't do this on my own. I need help. Step number two, I've turned my life and my will over to the care of God as I understand Him. What's the next step in renewing your mind? I have made a fearless and searching moral inventory. And then what happens after that? And I've made the decision to forgive. And i made the decision to ask all the people that I've harmed, except where it caused more harm, to forgive me. And I've made it right with them. What is that? Renewing the mind. Every addict that you know thinks that their problem is only with them and they're destroying everybody around them. And until they make the decision to lay themselves on the altar and their mind on the altar and their body on the altar and renew their mind, That's that's the process. Amen. Amen. Whew. Paul says there's an expression that doesn't come from the inner being, your spirit. He says it's patterned after this age. This is a person that salvation has not affected them beyond their spirit. None of us can function without our soul. You can't function without your soul. It has to be brought under the power of the word of God. 1 Corinthians nine twenty-seven. Paul said, but I keep my body, I keep, I keep, I keep, I keep, I keep my body under. Is that what he said? Yep. I bring it into subjection. James 1. Yeah, Pastor, what's that got to do with drawing near? You can't draw near if you don't grow. Yes. Hallelujah. Spiritual maturity is the goal. Listen, folks, people don't grow by hearing, you know, God understands. What does God understand? That he's given you power over it. Over over whatever it is. I say over whatever it is. Amen. There was a, there was a guy that came to the church years ago, many years ago. And, uh, oh, I counseled him, and I talked with him. I mean, he could play the keyboard, he could play the guitar, he could play the bass. He could, I mean, he was a wonderful singer. Uh, uh, he uh, lived down the road here, had, uh, I don't know, six or seven kids. Uh, wonderful family, I mean, beautiful family, but totally overcome by his flesh. And I'd talk to him, and I'd visit with him, and I would talk with him and, and help. And, and it was never wanting to progress. You see what I'm saying? Hallelujah. The things of God are reserved for people who want them. Not just for people who think they would be nice. You understand? And he says here, James 1, 21, Wherefore lay apart all filthiness that means moral dirtiness and superfluity of naughtiness that is abundance of wickedness now verse 2 says my brethren so remember he's writing to believers and he says receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your soul to save your soul your soul is your mind your will your emotions the word save there is the word sozo. It means to bring to completion or perfection. All right? So he's talking about their souls, their mind, their will, their emotions. And he says it's the engrafted word that can bring your soul to perfection. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Do you see that? And so we've we've, we've made some mistakes in the church because people say, well, how many souls were saved the other night? None. Well, I saw people up at the altar, right? They got born again, but their soul wasn't saved. They started the process. Because notice what James said. He said it is the engrafted Word that's able, that has the ability, that has the power, To change your soul. To save your soul. He's writing to people that are already saved. But their salvation has not affected their soul. That's how we grow. Maturity is the goal. When you're raising children, giving them their way is not the goal being their buddy is not the goal what's the goal that they can mature and progress and become what good adults is that right or wrong I just want them to know I care about them they will but think about I'm trying to tell you the church is a family God is a father And he said, remember, he said in the book of Hebrews, what did he say? He says, a father chastens his son if he loves him. He said, now, no chastening seems to be good for the present. But what does it work? An eternal reward. Right? So there's this season... Where I've got to say, okay, I've got to grow, I've got to mature, I've got to progress. God wants to bring these things into our church. I want to be a vessel that God moves through. I want to be a vessel that God can use and that God can be a part of. And in order to do that, i got to grow. Out loud, say, I'm growing. Look, look at 1 Peter 2. Oh, hallelujah. 1 Peter 2 and 2. He says, as newborn babes, desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. The Wush Bible says that you may make progress in your salvation. One translation says that you may mature. So, the goal of the Christian life is maturity, progression, being spiritual. The way to achieve that is to desire the word like a newborn baby desires milk. Do you see that? The one translation says, the word will cause you to grow into maturity. So, the more word, now, now we're going to deal with this in just a moment the more word I'm ingesting. Not just hearing, ingesting. All right? Very often we say, you know, we quote, well, faith comes by hearing. Faith does come by hearing. All right? But growth comes by application. All right? 1 Corinthians 3. 1 Corinthians 3. And uh, verse 1, I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. I fed you with milk and not with meat, for hitherto, or up till now, you were not able to bear it, and now you're not able. Why? You're carnal. Do you see that? So what is there that God wants to bring into our lives that carnality will keep out of our lives. You see what I'm saying? There are things that carnal people won't get. Whenever you're preaching the word, what you've got to remember is this, is what you're saying is milk to some people and meat to some people. Everybody's in varying stages of progression, but we are progressing. We're growing. Amen. Hallelujah. You know, when, when you bring a baby home, that baby doesn't have any teeth. That, I mean, they do. They haven't arrived yet. But here's the point. They are totally dependent on you for everything. Everything. Right? They eat, burp, and mess their diaper. That's what they do. And Cry. And you know, giggle, of course, but seems like at that point they do a lot less giggling. Anyway, right? the 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 point is, is you know, you realize that that bottle, that milk, is for a time. The day will come that we do not walk into your pantry and see bottles or 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 uh, uh, canisters of infamil in your pantry. The day will come that we don't walk into the nursery and see bottles everywhere. Why? Because even while that child is taking the bottle, on the inside of their skull and their cranial cavity those teeth are beginning to form and and begin to work their way and one day mama's going to go huh? I see a bump. Remember that mom? Well when you started seeing the bump you didn't throw away the bottle and grab the steak. (laughs) And even when they have a full mouth of teeth you don't just give them a big piece of meat and say, here you go. Or a big piece of anything. What do you do? You chop it up. Why do you chop it up? Because they need to progress and mature and grow, but they need the word broken down to them so they can, it can function in their bodies. The purpose of you showing up and being in church, the purpose for you being here every time you have the opportunity is so you can grow in the things of God. You show me a person that keeps putting church behind other things, and I'll show you a person that's going to backslide. It's it, it, without fail. Pastor, don't speak that on me. I don't have to. It's Scripture. Because something else has the ascendancy in my life. And he said that we are to desire the word like a newborn baby wants to eat how often do newborn babies eat when why are they eating all the time because they're growing all the time what happens in countries where famine is prevalent and nutrition is scarce what's what's the first thing you notice about those children they don't grow Why don't they grow? Their bones aren't receiving the calcium. Their bones aren't receiving the protein. Their bones aren't receiving the nutrients that they need to grow. And so they can be 10 years old and be the size of a 4-year-old. Because they are nutritionally deficient. There are people that you know and I know that have been saved long enough that they ought to be doing things for God, but they are nutritionally deficient by choice. And they're not in a position to do for God. Yep. Hmm. Hallelujah. That's who Paul's writing to here. He says, I couldn't do this. In another instance in Hebrews, he said, the time is now that you ought to be teachers. But you need somebody to teach you the elementary things of God all over again. Why? You regressed. Amen. Notice this. These believers had never matured. Just because a person is saved doesn't mean they're spiritual. Just because a person knows the word doesn't mean they're spiritual. Just because a person is anointed does not mean they're spiritual. You have no read to the Bible. Did Paul, did Saul prophesy? Did the Bible say Saul was named with the prophets? At the end of Saul's life was he consulting a witch? Why was he consulting a witch? He had quit being spiritual. When you don't grow spiritually, you begin to fill your life with other things. The more you grow spiritually, the more that spiritual growth crowds out the other things in your life. Amen. And that that baby will eventually get to the point where it is no longer satisfied with milk or baby food, right? It'll want something with some substance, right? Right? Amen. Well, you sit Lily down a bowl of chili and she'll wipe it out. That wasn't always the case. Right? Why why is this important? What does God want to do through you? What does God want to do through me? What's He want to do through this ministry? It's mature, progressing, spiritual people that will get the call. We're making a move this year. We're going somewhere this year. Amen. God, God, God said this is the year of the local church. And, and one minister, he asked him, he said, well, Lord, how does, that apply? how does that look in our ministries? And the Lord said to him this. He said, that means this year I'm going to fortify the local church. And he said, I'm going to fortify the local church with finances. He said, more finances are going to flow into the local church than ever in recent history. And he said, it's going to be for this reason. So my church can raise up an army and get the job done. Amen. 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 So the money's going to come. It's, it's already here. I, I, was looking, I was looking at just the credit card transactions. We get a 1099 every year from the people that handle our transactions because you got to have a 1099-501-C3. You don't pay federal tax. And so here's the point. Just credit transactions, just transactions that you made either through putting your name on the envelope or through the text to give over a quarter of a million dollars Came into this ministry, this ministry, this location last year. I believe we can see double that this year. But who's going to be ready? Who's going to be progressing? Who's going to be reaching? Who's going to be growing? Who's going to be maturing? Who's going to be saying, as for me and my house, we're going to serve God? We're going to do what it takes to be everything that God wants us to be. And if you go, I'll let you go with me. But if you don't go, I'm going anyway. Because I've got to grow into the things of God. Can you say amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Let me see, what time do I got? I got five minutes. Notice this. Amen. Do you see that? And you know, at some point, there's another statement that is made in recovery circles is this. Uh, You got to change your playmates. And your playground. When you start growing spiritually, you're going to have a hard time being around people that won't. Why? Why? Because 15-year-olds don't hang out with 5-year-olds. You following me? You understand what I mean? In the natural course of events. You hang out with your what? Your peer group. Is that right? When you have... The Bible says that there are people that taste of the good things of God... They have a taste of the world to come. They've tasted the word of God. They've tasted these different things. And Paul says, if that person decides to turn and go back, he said, there's nothing you can do for them. Because they've already tasted the things of God. Wherever you are at this morning, here's the decision you make. I'm not going to regress. I'm moving forward from here. Mm. We read there James 1, But notice verse 23. He said in James 1, 23. He said, but be. Notice, if any is a hearer. Uh, can you back up to the uh, verse 22? I'm sorry. Be doers of the word. And not hearers only. Now look at that last phrase. Deceiving your own self. Now stop right there. You can hear so much word. That you think you're mature. But if you're not doing it, James says you're deceiving yourself. Mature people do the word. Amen. Amen. Do you see that? Hallelujah. Well, well, what is part of doing the word? Well, the number one, one, the number one part of doing the word is uh, coming to church. Don't forsake the assembling of yourself together, and even the more as you see the day approaching. Gather together, get together with the people of God. Right? and and, and there's other things, of course. Spiritual people pray, and that's doing the word. But folks. The main part of doing the Word is you're applying it to your life and you're growing. He said, if I don't, I'm deceiving myself. Not the devil's deceiving you. Not you got a problem or an issue or a mistake. You're deceived. Has, has, the, has, has, has your soul ever deceived you into doing something and you justified it? I have. I had a guy one time that was a leader that was in my office and I had to deal with something and I had to correct it and he got mad at me. I mean, he got so mad, he went full out foghorn (laughs) leghorn. You say, what's that? You know, I wanted to tell him, go ahead, cuss. I won't tell nobody. He didn't. I mean, he did, but he just, you know. Amen. Well, you can't have cussing teachers. Well, that was, that was not a very good response to that. Can't have cussing teachers, right? And so I, I, I made the decision, you know. I mean, we're all about restoration, but brother, you know, you... you Number one, the Bible tells me to have no, make no friendship with an angry man. Because you'll learn his ways. So I can't, whatever you are, that's what you're imparting. So I can't have you imparting that to people. Well, his wife, he, he sent his wife the next day to get his stuff. And uh, uh, she was talking to, actually, Pastor Marie Price was here at the time, working in the office. She was our office administrator. And uh, the lady said, well, yeah, he got mad and he said those things. But here's why. Your soul, if left unchecked, will always give you a reason you did what you did. And here's the thing. It always justifies you at the expense of everybody else. See what I'm saying? No. How, 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 do you, how, do you, how do you deal with that? I don't have a problem. I don't have an issue. I don't, I'm not, I don't have mistakes. God, I'm not measuring up. I'm not doing what I know that I need to be doing. It's not about condemnation. The work is done. He said if you confess your sin, he is faithful and just to forgive it. And to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. What's worse? The man that can't read or the man that won't read? Won't. What's worse? The Christian who could do right, but won't do right. The one that won't do right. Why? Because you have the power to do it. Amen. I have in my personal life, in my ministry, I have a strict no whining policy. You are not allowed to whine about what God's asked you to do. That's between me and my wife. You'll never hear one of us say how tired we are. You'll never hear one of us talk about how busy we are. You'll never hear one of us talk about how how we would love to be home and 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 and, and right? I've been away from home for 4 straight weeks. 4 straight weeks. I'm saying that for a reason. I have a strict no whining policy. This is what God called me to do. My eternal rewards are at stake. One day, I'm going to stand before the one that really went through something. One day, you're going to stand before the one that had nails put in his hands, a spike driven through his feet, thorns plunged into his head, 39 stripes with a cat of nine tails, you're going to stand before the one that really went through something. And I promise you, you will not unpack your cards of excuse and explain to him how you couldn't because of what you were going through. You will never stand before the Son of God and say, well, I had an issue. Because it won't hold water. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let me finish with this. Look at uh, Ephesians 4. I got to go see my grandkids today. Hallelujah. Ephesians 4. I tell you, I got a granddaughter on the way. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I knew we'd get around to a princess. (laughs) Hallelujah. Ephesians 4. And and I want to hurry with this. So for the sake of time, verse 22. You put off the former conversation, the old man that's corrupt according to deceitful lust, and you be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and you put on the new man that after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Now, how is it that I can put off, I can be renewed and I can put on because the work's been done? Amen. What what would you think if you if you if you walked in the room and you know I'm I'm trying to take my suit jacket off and I'm like I got an issue. I can't I can't take this off. No. Scripture says You take it off. So it says, who has the power to take it off? What happens when you take it off? You get renewed in your mind. And then it says that I can pick up the old man, the new man, and put on the new man. What happened to the old man? Took him off, put him away. Renewed in my mind, put on the new man. Now, here's, my, here's my, final answer, my final question. Is that easy or is that easy? Yeah, but Pastor, you know, the flesh will fight you. He'll talk. But he has no power to overcome you. Let me finish here. If I could get you to understand this, that the, the thing that you're dealing with has the power over you that you give it. Every time an addict says this, they stand up in a meeting. They go, my name's Bob, and I'm an alcoholic. They just gave alcohol power over them. What if they stood up and said, my name's Bob, and I'm an overcomer? Yeah. Hallelujah. Yeah. That's the group we had here. Hallelujah! Now see, here comes that statement you got to think about. Uh, let's stand up, everybody. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Think <about> it. Amen. <laughs> now, now here's the thing: as we're closing, as we're we're leaving this place until tonight, and those of you watching online, I know many of you are watching. This is something that you make a decision. There's a song that I I love by a man named David Ingalls, and I, and I play it all the time in our home. And it's, it's this. It's called A Cathedral of Praise. And it talks about, Lord, you make our home a cathedral of praise. We know it's just brick and mortar and wood, but Lord, it's a light to our neighborhood. A cathedral of praise where Jesus lives. Right? That's my prayer. You've got to do something every day to grow. Well, I want to be a better dad. I want to be a better this. I want to be a better mom. I want to be a better... You've got to do something every day to grow in that. If every married man in here would sit down and for a week, if you would just study your wife, you think you know her but there are things that you don't know about her. And if you take the time and study her, you'd learn how to minister to her needs. But when it's all about you, and all you can see is what's in front of you, I don't know why I'm here, but whatever you want and whatever you desire, what I want for dinner, what I want to watch on TV, keep them kids quiet for me, then I'm missing the whole reason that I'm in that home. I can't lead people I don't want anything to do with. You're not a leader because everybody does what you want. You're a leader because you're lead. Listen, Ron, you were in the Marine Corps how many years? Were there leaders in the Marine Corps that demanded you do what they wanted you to do because of who they were? But were there leaders that you would have followed into hell because they treated you right and led you correctly? They led you. I've always wanted to be this person in my ministry. I will not ask you to do something that I won't do myself. I will not ask you to do something that I haven't done. I want to be the same way in my home. I have the responsibility. All my kids were up and grown. And the Lord brought a gift into our life. I am so glad he brought that baby into our life after all those years. Abra Phil and Sarah Michelle, amen. I'm saying this for a reason. Every day, every day, I got to do something to grow. Every day. And it might require turning off the TV or not even turning it on. Are you with me? The Bible says in Ephesians 5, guys, what's it say? It says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. And gave himself for it. And gave himself. That's where you start. Well, I see that I haven't been giving myself. Then start. Yeah, but I don't know how. Start. If I asked you to give me $5 and you had it, you'd know how to give me $5. You reach in your pocket and you give it to me. You know how to give yourself. You put that person in front of you. You make them what's important in your life. Amen. Hallelujah. And that, that's husbands and wives. Glory to God. My prayer every day, and we're just being transparent. My prayer every day is, "Father, make me the husband my wife needs me to be." Good prayer. But I've run into men that say their prayer is that they're praying that God will change their wife. You are pathetic and prideful. And le- and let me explain what will happen to your family. It will disintegrate. Because you are praying that everybody will change to suit you. And you're not changing. And until you change, nothing else changes. Pastor, that's hard. I know it's hard. We're in a hard season. Jesus is soon to return. The trumpet's going to blow. It's not long. We're out of here. And the Bible says those that are going with Him are those that have washed their robes in the blood of the Lamb. And have made themselves ready. And we're going to be ready. This church is going to be ready when Jesus shows up. And every man among us is going to stand before God and receive a joyful crown for the way you led your family and the way you loved your wife. You will not stand before. I won't allow it. I will present you in the name of Jesus. I will present you mature and fully grown to my Savior Jesus. I will. Hallelujah. And if you want to grow, this is the place. This is the year. Hallelujah. Look at your neighbor and say, Grow, baby. Hallelujah. So, right now, just bow your heads with me right now. We're going to close. I don't, listen, I don't know what anyone may be dealing with per se. I'm a pastor, I deal with people, but I never preach from the standpoint or pray from the standpoint of I know what you're going through and so we're preaching to you or praying to you or for you. There's not a man, husband, wife, woman in here that doesn't need to grow. But just say this with me. Say, Father, Father I ask you now, I ask you now to, make me to make me the spouse that I need to be. The parent or the grandparent or the great-grandparent that I need to be. I want to grow. I want to mature. And I know you'll help me. And so I give my heart to that endeavor today to grow up into the things of God. In Jesus' name. Amen.